0: Ladies and gentlemen, herzlich willkommen welcome to Henning Knows Best. Give it up for To Kuhnle. Yeah. There's Herr Kuhnle, the funniest man from Düsseldorf and the fatherland's foremost Yodelmeister, And more from him in a little while. Probably I should uh, quickly introduce myself. My name is Henning. I am the German comedy ambassador to the United Kingdom. Uh, It's not the easiest of jobs. (laughs) I've been very kindly asked to explore aspects of British society. And this week's topic is politics. And let's get this out of the way first. In Germany, politics started with the formation of West Germany in 1949. (laughs) No one knows what happened prior to that, and that's that. Thank you very much. So, the Westminster Parliamentary System. I've only been living here for a few years, so I'm not too sure about some of the facts, but luckily British politics is not about facts. <laughs> a positive body language, the trendiest haircut and which leader's wife wears the tightest outfit. <laughs> and opinion polls. Uh, even if conducted only amongst a handful of drunkards outside a pub, <laughs> almost likely entirely made up. Anyway, here's my cobbled-together history of British politics. It all seems to have started in 1215, when King John grudgingly agreed to let Parliament look after some of the small stuff, such as gypsy punching... <laughs> ..and buying <hot> nobs. <laughs> However, this power went to the people's heads, and in 1649, they decided they couldn't manage by themselves and chopped the king's head off on Whitehall which then became a whole street, full of people dealing with gypsy punching <laughs> and hot <on> buying paperwork. <laughs> Oliver Cromwell became the Lord Protector of England, offering the sort of protection you might get from the Gambino family. But <laughs> people quickly tired of the lack of royal weddings and having nobody to open daycare centres. <laughs> and so in 1660, demanded their monarchy back as long as the royals limited themselves to amusing commoners with tabloid toe-sacking scandals. <laughs> and they have been good to their word ever since. <laughs> On the party political scene, two groups eventually emerged, the Whigs and the Tories. Both of these were derogatory nicknames which stuck like with the two L.A. crime syndicates, the Bloods and the Crips, except their members mostly died of gout, <laughs> rather than drive-by shootings. Uh, the Whigs became the Liberal Party, who wanted to punch fewer gypsies <laughs> and give out more hot knobs. The Tories became the Conservatives, who wanted to punch more gypsies and keep all the (laughs) hobnobs. In the late 19th century, the Labour Party entered the scene with the radical idea of giving everyone (laughs) hobnobs, particularly if they lived illegally in a Greenbelt caravan. (laughs) And Today, the Conservatives are the party of the idle rich and the exhausted middle class. Their greatest leader was Mrs Thatcher, who convinced the population there is no shame in going to work. And <laughs> yeah, that's the problem with an audience that's all in here on free tickets. <laughs> yeah, her little helper, Norman Tabbitt even had a very good suggestion for how to get there. <laughs> on a bike. (laughs) And Labour is the party of the working man and the angry layabout. (laughs) Its name bears no relation to its objective. (laughs) Their greatest leader was Tony Blair because nobody starved to death in the Blair years. Starving to death was made illegal, (laughs) along with gypsy punching and unlicensed biscuit trading. (laughs) In fact, everything was made illegal, apart from illegal wars. (laughs) (laughs) And the Liberal Democrats are the party of people who are unhappy. It used to be the party of people who were unhappy with the political system, but now it is the party of people who are unhappy with the Liberal Democrats. (laughs) And their greatest leader was William Ewart Gladstone, who was cruising London by night, telling prostitutes to go home. I much prefer him over, say, the Tory right who are telling me to go home. <laughs> a Labour, Conservative or Liberal, no matter your political orientation, as a victorious candidate of any election, you're guaranteed a very short honeymoon period with the public, followed by years of being referred to as an incompetent criminal halfwit. wit The political system in Britain is not representative, or democratic, or even fair. Uh, For the reason that is, is how you like it. In May last year, you were given a referendum to have the sort of electoral system we have in Northern Europe, where everyone's vote is important. And you all decided democratically that you like that idea even less than you like our toilets. (laughs) Uh, For you, democracy is something to be discharged, not inspected. (laughs) Unfortunately, these days, showing an interest in politics is considered unfashionable. Let me tell you, done correctly, it's even a great topic for first date. Yeah, because you can show what a nice guy you truly are. I vote for the Greens, because they're good to the environment. And the environment is good to animals. And I really like animals. In fact, I like nothing better than watching internet footage of a little sneezing panda. Um, puppies and kittens playing in a laundry basket with towels on their heads. So endearing. Now take off your clothes. (laughs) At this point, I must point out, I'm not voting for the Greens. I obviously vote for the UK Independence Party. (laughs) Uh, They're serious about implementing Otto von Bismarck's 19th century plan of keeping Britain isolated. (laughs) British Euroscepticism is surprising, as Brits are usually very good to us foreigners, because you tolerate us. <laughs> Thank you. You're not welcoming us, you don't go on that far, but you do tolerate us. It's a great British virtue, that tolerance in it. Now, what is tolerance? Let's have a butchers in uh, the Oxford English Dictionary. This is not my proper Oxford English Dictionary. The proper one is too heavy to hold it on stage comfortably in one hand. So what I've done is, I've wrote a few definitions out of the Oxford English Dictionary and wrote them onto blank cards, which I then glued into this book that I otherwise don't need. <laughs> it's a book I won at the raffle at the German embassy, and it's a tour guide to the former East Germany. <laughs> got absolutely no intention of ever travelling there. Uh, even now more than 20 years after the wall came down, they still vote for the bloody communists, those ungrateful bastards.
1: Uh? <laughs> if
0: I had it my way, I would line up all the East Germans, I would line them all up against the wall and shoot a bloody law of them. Anyway. <laughs> Tolerance. <laughs> And tolerance, according to the dictionary, is the willingness to accept or allow behaviour, beliefs, customs, which one does not like or agree with, without opposition. That's a great virtue. So there is something you really, really dislike, but you can't be bothered to do anything about it. (laughs) And back home, we call that lazy cynicism. (laughs) When David Cameron described civil servants as the enemy of enterprise... He clearly hadn't heard of the superhuman achievements in Sunderland South, the constituency that traditionally declares well within the hour. As the echo Sunderland's local paper put it in the run-up to the last general election, hopes are now high that Sunderland's three constituencies are first to declare, putting Wearside firmly on the map and making Sunderland an international talking point. <laughs> They really did write that. One can almost picture two tribesmen in the Mali desert. (laughs) Have you heard about Sunderland declaring within the hour? Of course I have. Come to think of it, declaring Sunderland within the hour isn't really that impressive. I mean, Britain does have first-past-the-post voting system, so you don't even need to bother with counting before announcing the winner. Sunderland? Labour. Easy. I mean, I can declare Sunderland now for the next general election <laughs> in 2015. Labour. And the one after that, Labour. And if Labour feels an extraterrestrial with tentacles for hands, Labour. <laughs> I mean, Britain is one of the world's oldest democracies and as such has quite a few health problems. Not a single election is complete without some party officials being arrested. Uh, for putting hundreds of imaginary people onto the electoral roll and voting in their names. Uh, On the plus side, this administrative debacle boosts the usually low turnout. Everybody can cast as many votes as they like for as long as they have enough poll cards and different hats to walk into the same polling station time and again. The cheating is made easy, there are no ID cards to prove your identity. So ID cards are seen as an intrusion of privacy. Same time, British voters don't see anything wrong with posting far more sensitive information on social networking sites, such as Facebook, because it's fun. I mean, I've seen the campaigning on Facebook. Say no to ID. Privacy is a human right. Also, here's a picture of the tattoo I've had done on my asshole. <laughs> British politicians are despised by their electorate for many reasons. For example, their dullness, a much underrated quality. (laughs) Silvio Berlusconi and Robert Mugabe, they're not dull. (laughs) But you will not want to be governed by either of those as they're bonkers. (laughs) A far worse quality in a politician. Dullness equals stability. Germany only had eight chancellors since 1949 each of them slightly duller than the last. Uh, Each of them see their predecessor's dullness as a benchmark of excellence. Uh, Belgium is one of the world's most stable countries. Their government became so dull, it disappeared for 18 months. Uh, And the country did great by European standards. Um, British politics became interesting once, in 1963 when it was discovered that the Minister of War, John Profumo, had the same prostitute as a Russian spy. In Italy, this would be regarded as a purely administrative error. (laughs) The one thing more hated in politicians than dullness is sorrowness. When, after the last general election, Nick Clegg took a few days before deciding whom to enter a coalition with, the British public was outraged. He was called immoral, sordid and the worst harlot in history. Katie Price. (laughs) (laughs) And Katie Price is famous for showing her breasts, sleeping with loads of people and telling the world about it. And everyone goes, oh, good on her. She done the best she could. (laughs) Well, a politician taking five minutes to try and organise a functioning government? What a dirty slut. (laughs) What a filthy, shameless, revolting whore. (laughs) And now welcome to the stage, the man who knows everything there is to know about football and politics. Welcome to the stage, the mayor of Hartlepool, Stuart Drummond. Well, uh, how did you become Mayor of Hartlepool? It's a (laughs) tremendous
2: story. It was an accident. Um, I used to be the mascot for Hartlepool United, so I used to dress up on a Saturday as a seven-foot monkey. uh, (laughs) Angus the monkey. And I was always looking for something new, a bit of publicity for the club, and I wanted to stand in the general election in 2000. Um, But Peter Mandelson was Hartlepool's MP at the time, and he was also the president of Hartlepool United, so the club said no, no, no. So then um, we had a referendum to have an elected mayor and, and it was a yes and uh, so I persuaded our chairman to lend me the £500 to stand for a bit of a laugh, and I won. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, and not only that, you've been re-elected twice since. Yeah, nearly ten years now. Yeah. <laughs>
2: What was it then like the first day, you as a total outsider walking into the town hall? Uh, I've been asked what was going through my mind at the time. Uh, it wasn't what was going through my mind, it was what was going through my underpants. It was really <laughs> about. It was, uh, it was daunting. The first duty was to attend a press conference and it was like the England manager. There was, uh, I think, seven uh, TV crews, there was about 60 journalists and the press conference lasted an hour and a half and some seasoned journalists who were there said it's the worst they've ever seen. It was really tough. They had journalists dressed up as monkeys, they were trying to hand me bananas <laughs> and... Uh... <laughs> but I came through that and I thought, well, if I can handle that, I can handle anything. One of your election
0: promises was to hand out free bananas. And, um... yeah,
2: <laughs> Not the best idea in hindsight. Um, yeah, free bananas for school kids, I think that's what won me the election. But... Um... <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, and I'm not
0: delivering on them, now. Yeah.
2: Well, um, unfortunately, um, the council was trying to find a few million-pound savings at the time and couldn't afford it, so went back to the drawing board and now every school in the town gets free fruit for all the kids, so delivered in the end.
0: So there's no need for Jamie Oliver in Adelsberg. <laughs> Did you ever consider... Uh, joining a political party as such?
2: No, I can't stand politics, to be quite honest. it's, really um... You know, I didn't enter the political arena to be a politician, and especially at a local level, it's not about party politics, it's about what's right for the area you live. And, you know, I don't have any political baggage or anything, and, you know, I think the public really appreciate that. Certainly they do in Hartlepool. And
0: uh, have you got any plans of uh, potentially becoming an MP, or would that be
2: something that... Um, I wouldn't take the pay cut, to be quite honest. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, to be fair, you can do a hell of a lot more for the town as a mayor than you could ever do for it as an MP, so... There is a list of the world's most popular mayors. Well, mayors, yeah, they have, uh, every two years, they have a... And there's about 400 entries from around the world, and I think... Last year, the mayor of Mexico City won it, uh, Marcus Ebran. But I come tenth, which was uh, pretty good. Fantastic! But it's great, great, publicity for Hartlepool. You know, we're, we're, as I say, we're a little village stuck up in the northeast where nobody works, according to you. And. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and to get mentioned, you know, in, in the same breath as Mexico City and Delhi and San Francisco, places, Adelaide, places like that is, is great for, for Hartlepool.
0: OK, uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Stuart Drummond. You had some ambition of uh, entering politics, haven't you? If you really want to change
3: something, you, it's not good to go into a politics party. We, we called it... Uh, but Bader also, um, Meinhof.
0: LAUGHTER
1: <laughs> At least
0: don't mention that here. The only people more hated than MPs are MEPs, members of the European Parliament. And British people think they're losing powers to Europe, but you're not. We are all losing power to China. <laughs> I mean I used to live on a quiet street in Tooting, South London, in it, <laughs> Governor. Uh, I'm not living there anymore because I moved away when nav started telling drivers that my street is a great shortcut on the way from central London to the Dover ferry terminal. <laughs> and when asking a lorry driver what he thought he was doing in my street at 5 a.m., he pointed to his satnef, just following orders. Well, if he wasn't good enough to let my grandfather off at Nuremberg, it isn't good enough now. (laughs) My street in Tooting is now a 14-hour traffic jam. And because the people in the TomTom factory in Shanghai decided that's how things have to be in the good old days, say, two and a half years ago... (laughs) Uh, You could air your grievances and protest outside the town hall. These days, you would have to protest outside some software company in China. And that's only advisable if you like the taste of bullets. Uh, uh, We do live in a global world. And that's why I don't understand the absurd debate here in Britain. The debate if Britain is in Europe or not. Get a map. (laughs) and you'll see Britain is in Europe. There's not much you can do about it. (laughs) Uh, Iceland believes it's in Europe. Uh, Thousands of miles north of you, for God's sake, Kazakhstan is a member of the European Football Association. I mean, (laughs) Kazakhstan has a border with China. (laughs) They think they're in Europe. Of course Britain is in Europe. There is a lot not right with bureaucracy in the European Union. And I can assure you it's infuriating to bail everybody out time and again. <laughs> You're yeah, like the Greeks. They're bust again, aren't they, the Greeks? Like Christmas, once a year, they're bust. <laughs> uh, I mean, to be fair, the Greeks have tried everything to get out the economic hole. They've even tried going on strike. <laughs> yeah, but turns out not working doesn't help either. Strange, who would have thought mind you, the macroeconomic difference between a Greek civil servant behind his desk or on strike. Sna. <laughs> <laughs> <It's natural. laughs> I and mean, them turning up in the mornings is never more than a nice gesture. is the holiday season coming up, don't go to Greece in a misguided attempt to help the country, because how is that going to help? It's not the Greek people, it's the Greek state that's bust. And going there on holidays is not going to help at all, as all the money will end up in the pockets of some oligarch, and the state will see none of it. If you're serious about helping Greece, you must go on holidays to Germany... (laughs) Because our hotels, restaurants and tour operators do pay their taxes, which Berlin then can hand over to Athens. (laughs) If the Greek air traffic controllers had any decency, they would be rerouting all incoming flights to Germany (laughs) in their own country's best interest. But they're obviously not doing that because they're obviously on strike. Paid for by Germany. <laughs> well, let's have an intelligent discussion now. I mean, why is Greece bust? It's all because they're bloody lazy. <laughs> because they're lazy and they evade paying taxes on what pathetically little work they do. And it's all overseen by inept civil servants. That's why they're bust. Or so I thought, but apparently I'm wrong. The Greek MP, Margaritis Seamus explained her countries in the doldrums not because of widespread corruption or contempt for the state and non-existent work ethics. No, 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 nothing to do with that. And she said, Greece is bust because Germany had not paid them war reparations. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't make it up. <laughs> I don't want to go all little, John, now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean they blame their current financial problems on some goings-on in the Fatherland 70 years previously. Ridiculous. Also, people always seem to overestimate the financial benefit of losing World War II. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, they should come knocking on Switzerland's door. They've made a mint. Not us. I mean, the easiest way out of debt crisis is the rest of us invading Switzerland. <laughs> It's about time those gold-stashing, cheese-eating bastards paid the rent for living in Europe. (laughs) Otto, would you, after all your time in the Bader-Meinhof gang, uh, (laughs) would you consider becoming actively involved in politics again? Yes, and uh, this is the reason why I uh,
3: wrote uh, a song. I'm made for politics, I believe, that's a goal I can achieve. I think I can succeed in it, I'll become a massive hit. I like my culture and my people, I shout it from every steeple. Our country is so pretty, every town. major city but I hate to debate I hate to debate better tell you straight I hate to debate I like to entertain any crowd I'll have a tin whack or I shout out loud the subject does not matter I'll have a right, old Jeanette. I'm guaranteed a majority. You will respect my authority. I have a firm conviction. debate Democracy is overrated Decision making hugely complicated I would tolerate in my dominion everyone who shares my profound opinion It's in all of our interest that democracy is put to rest So welcome on the trip To my lovely dictatorship
0: And let's summarise today's lecture British politics has a great history And I have greatest respect for your democratic tradition Your identity and your quirks It's all most admirable and must be preserved But at the same time, I urge you to understand that size does matter. (laughs) Uh, We do need a united Europe, and it must speak with one voice (laughs) a German one.
1: (laughs) Best.
0: Vane, that was Henning knows Best, hosted by Henning Veyn, that's me, and featured Stuart Drummond and the wunderbare Otto Kuhnle. It was written by the cast and Kent Valentine and Liam Malone. It was produced by Paul Russell and was an open mic production for BBC Radio 2. Henning
3: Vane, he knows
1: he knows best!